0: Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, joined by my good friend and co host, Christian Ubius. And Christian, we are once again joined via Zoom by friend of the show, Paul Gonzalez. Uh, magic may inventor uh that was our may 2021 blend paul it is good to have you back on we've heard from you via email occasionally but it's good to have you here live on the show how you been my friend
1: Scott, I've been well, and I first want to say it's such an honor to be invited back. I mean, this is up there with my favorite podcast. I honestly don't know what can compete with it. And I'm honestly curious if I've been mentioned more than anyone else in the show besides Christian, (laughs) including actors. Like, I'm really curious of that. I need to go
2: find the transcripts. Paul Yoder has has been mentioned a couple times. It's
0: true. We have two pauls that we love here on cinema drip and you guys duel for our affections so right now unfortunately for for our guy paul yoder you're kind of out ahead and now you're saying we're your favorite podcast out of like every podcast so i mean (laughs) paul yoder's gonna have some catch up to do
2: yeah paul yoder's favorite podcast is probably his own you know (laughs) (laughs) listen to authors
0: dozen paul yoder's podcast (laughs) But, Paul, we are glad that you're here, and we are, of course, continuing on to the final official episode of our Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie Blend of the Month. Christian, it's been your month, so I'll turn it over to you to talk a little bit about where we've been and where we're going today.
2: So we started off the blend by going into Top Gun Maverick, so a new year release. Uh, From there, we went on to Edge of Tomorrow. Now, both of those are Christopher McQuarrie co-written. But today, we're going to be looking at Mission Impossible Fallout, the last, the 2018 installment of Mission Impossible, the sixth movie in the franchise overall, and one that is still co-written by Christopher McQuarrie and directed by him as well. I, I will get into some major players, but overall, before we we delve into that, what is our relationship to the Mission Impossible franchise? And also, let me, let me preface that by saying I have done a very good job this month. This has been a very good month for us. <laughs> this this has been a pretty good month for us, Scott, and there's no you cannot deny it. Christian,
0: if there's anything you love to do, it's to plan good months and then talk about how much you enjoy putting together months, because (laughs) I take risks and give us weird movies to talk about, and then you pick safe movies, and I'll always respect it because it leads to great conversations, but you love to shout yourself out. Let's, Let's see some risky choices next time you're in charge, pal. We'll see. We'll see who continues to be the champ.
2: I chose Moonfall.
0: That's fair. You did choose Moonfall. Paul, Paul, did you see Moonfall after we discussed it on the show?
1: I did not be... did I unfortunately did not see Moonfall. But I really want to now because Christian was like it was the worst movie I ever saw. But I still enjoyed the theater experience.
2: It was... Uh, it was okay, look. It's like... Have you seen Venom Let There Be Carnage? Like, objectively, not a good movie. But so fun... <laughs> Scott, where would you put it
1: up there with Suicide Squad? That's my question.
0: Well, the original Suicide Squad is quite disappointing. I haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters. And I would I would put Moonfall a, a touch below it. But in, in terms of sheer, like, objective quality, like things that are well done about the movie, it might be on a lower rung on the ladder. But in terms of, like, <laughs> like schadenfreude, Maybe not schadenfreude, but like crazy pleasure you derive from how insane the movie is, it might surpass Suicide Squad, because Suicide Squad is pretty bland, and that's one of its biggest sins, whereas Moonfall goes completely off into its own realm of insanity, and you kind of got to respect it after a certain point, so maybe it's worth a Redbox rental, get some friends over, enjoy some adult beverages, and report back to us with your findings, Paul. But of course, we're here to talk Mission Impossible, and I'm glad that we... Have this particular collection of, of gentlemen on the show because we all have different relationships to this franchise. I am probably the biggest fan. I've seen all of these movies multiple times, at least twice. I'm not sure if there's any I've actually seen for a third time, but I've seen them all at least twice. And I absolutely saw Fallout in theaters. I think I saw Rogue Nation, which was the preceding Mission Impossible film. I believe I saw that in theaters as well. I'm just not exactly sure. I sometimes forget where I jump on the train with some of these franchises. Christian, you have a little bit less of a connection to these movies than me, but you've been doing your homework, it seems like.
2: So I saw, I I want to say I saw Ghost Protocol on a bus. So of all the bus movies I've mentioned, this goes. Pro- I definitely remember the sandstorm scene from the bus. L- much later, during quarantine, I saw the first one, and I fell asleep like 15 minutes into the second one. And then uh, uh, I know that I've seen Rogue Nation in theaters. And now I have seen all of them, which I did in preparation for this podcast. And,
0: Paul, you have even less of a connection to these movies, <laughs> which is... That is...
1: Correct, Scott. This is the first Mission Impossible movie that I've seen. Hopefully people are not ripping out their earbuds when
0: I say that. <laughs> uh, you know, Paul, really, it's just, it's a loss for you because this franchise is kind of crazy in terms of the the ongoing quality, at least in common, commonly held opinions. Most people tend to like these movies. So you, you got some catching up to do. And I'm, I'm curious to see your thoughts on Fallout because while the Mission Impossible movies tend to be separated from one another except for the presence of ethan hunt and some of the supporting cast this one actually has some connective tissue to rogue nation which came before it as well as a couple of other movies in the franchise so i'm curious to see if that helped or hurt your experience i mean maybe not helped because you're not familiar but if it hurt your experience at all watching the movie so coming in A lot of different perspectives on Fallout, and I'm excited to get into it with you guys. But, Christian, what else do you want us to cover before we uh, get into
2: our review? So, written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Uh, I want to shout out the producers. Produced by Tom Cruise, and I think all of them have been co-produced by him. Also produced by J.J. Abrams, who I did not know this until I saw it, directed Ghost Protocol. Oh, he directed
0: Mission Impossible 3.
2: Oh, frick, yeah. He directed Mission Impossible 3, which I am a big fan of. And and I'll, I'll I'll probably ask you Scott for your rankings later when we get into the review. Uh, Christopher McQuarrie co-produces also Jake Myers co-producer. Now stars Tom Cruise. We get Henry Cavill, Ving Rhames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Sean Harris, Angela Bassett, Michelle Monaghan, Alec Baldwin. The the cast is stacked, and it the 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 story it, to be very blunt, the rogue nation called the Syndicate of the last movie has split off into a smaller and deadlier force called the Apostles, who are trying to set off a nu- two nuclear bombs in Kashmir to pollute the water supplies and starve one-third of the world's population. And it is up to Ethan Hunt and friends to stop them. Ethan Hunt and friends. <laughs>
0: you make it sound like a like a traveling children's entertainment group. It's it's Ethan Hunt and friends. There's someone playing with puppets. Some felt is probably involved.
2: <laughs> Am I missing anything, or do we want to head straight into the review and your opening question?
0: The only thing that I would mention is that Fallout was one of the most successful movies in the franchise, both from a critical and commercial perspective. Obviously, the budgets grow as the movies go on. And so while it was made for a pretty expensive $178 million, which I'm not sure if that factors in marketing costs, it also almost brought back $800 million at the global box office. So for a lot of franchises, as they continue and press on, of course, you start to see diminishing returns. But Fallout marked a high point in the franchise six movies in, both commercially and critically. So it's a very interesting franchise, Mission Impossible, and I'm looking forward to talking about the franchise a little bit as we talk about the this particular movie in depth. Paul, anything else you want to throw out or mention, especially as uh, you're coming to this with fresh eyes?
1: I will say I was hoping to see if the movie could stand on its own without me seeing any of the previous five movies, so I look forward to discussing that with you as well. Also, I think this movie was advertised during the Super Bowl, so I kind of doubt that budget money included that because that is expensive
2: as we all know so
0: yes that's quite an expensive commercial let alone all of the other constant commercials it was running and other billboards and other ads
2: i will say this is the highest grossing movie of tom cruise's career at 791 million um that being said top gun maverick is in its third week and it's at 763 million will probably be surpassed so we are discussing the two highest grossing films of tom cruise's career Are we ready to head into our opening question? So ready. Paul, so part of this question means nothing to you because many people (laughs) consider the directing and the action of this movie to be the best in the franchise. And I'm going to split this question off into two then. Scott, for you, I want you to know the action scenes, the moving set pieces, these are some of the staples of a Mission Impossible movie. Did this movie deliver on those and for you, Paul, what do you think the staples of a Mission Impossible movie are based on this movie? And did it deliver on the expectations it set as you jump in six movies later?
0: <laughs> so so there's kind of a two... This is a two-part opening question. Each one of us kind of has a specific question asked of us. So who do you want to go first?
2: <laughs> I want,
1: I want Paul
2: to go first.
1: Okay. Well, seeing this movie... The first thing that stuck out to me was it's an action movie. I mean, it's Mission Impossible. It's not Mission Probable. It's Mission Impossible. <laughs> so, hopefully they do something that's pretty impossible. And getting in all these stunts, looking into what Tom Cruise actually pulled off himself for this movie, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. It's a staple of it is the action of it. That was my main takeaway watching this film.
2: So, so what If if you were to see another Mission Impossible movie, what would you want to get out of it, based on what you've seen here?
1: I kind of hope I see Tom Cruise skydive into a volcano or something, because that's the only thing that could top it. Like, I want to see him do something incredible. I mean, it's if it doesn't top this, which Scott's told me, like, this movie's up to the best, don't get me wrong. I want to go see what led up to this to get more of the story, but I'm like, dang, I hope they don't peek out here, so...
2: Scott what about you?
0: I mean the 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 trick for poor Paul is that he is coming to this movie at its zenith I mean I, I've given away a little bit of my opinions on the franchise but they really do reach a, a pinnacle of not just Mission Impossible movies but action movies in my opinion this is one of the best action movies we've gotten in recent memory it's just extraordinary what they are doing and accomplishing here from a very much from a practical and stunt work perspective. Uh, A lot of commitment here, both from Tom Cruise himself and the other actors and the the stunt performers involved, to create these incredible set pieces that are pretty relentless as this movie goes on. It, It goes from set piece to set piece pretty quickly, and the downtime in between is fairly low. And that is why I think this movie was so well received, partially because although the other franchise had featured, or the other movies in the franchise had featured these incredible set pieces, I mean, Paul, you've not seen the original Mission Impossible movie, but you probably recognize the, the still of Tom Cruise hovering six inches off the floor or whatever <laughs> as he's trying to steal what he's trying to steal from that, uh, I, I won't spoil it for you, as he's trying to steal all the information he's in that room for, but you might recognize that. They're, these. Very notable sequences have emerged from each movie, but Fallout has so many incredibly impressive individual sequences that they come together to form an amazing action movie. So it's, I, I mean, I'm just so excited to talk about this because I, very similar to Top Gun Maverick, I think Tom Cruise's particular brand of movie stardom, at least at this point in his career, is what's driving the ongoing success of these movies. And Christopher McQuarrie is his collaborator one of his key collaborators in this phase of his career so really excited to dive into the details with this movie
2: i believe wait this is your favorite mission impossible movie right it is yes i think it right now sits at number two for me and and this is an incredible movie though this I, I don't know. I was not expecting it. I, I'm i not going to lie. I get accused of this, and it's partially true. When a lot of people love a movie and they tell me to watch it, I go in skeptical. But no, <laughs> this is – th- I'm not the only one who does that.
0: No, and, and you're, not, you're not really a contrarian, Christian. I think sometimes you enjoy being able to have a contrary opinion, but you're not a jerk about it most of the time.
2: <laughs> there are many staples to this franchise, and I will say they're done – Nearly to perfection in this movie. One is the badass woman aspect of it, which all of the movies have. With or or I think it was partially a damsel in distress in the first one. After that, all of them have been incredible action-packed women, as both the people who are aiding Hunt at times, just random assassins you encounter at times, villains. so. Seeing that unfold, yeah, you know that has been very, very good. Uh, to to see Rebecca Ferguson here and oh, what's her name? We were just discussing her, who plays his wife, Michelle Monaghan. Michelle Monaghan and Vanessa Kirby also. the th- the the string of those three of them here was wonderful. And knowing that Rebecca Ferguson and Vanessa Kirby are coming back for Dead Reckoning Part One, great. You have the set pieces, so we're notably in different countries in every single movie. And here we are in Kashmir, and we were also in France and in London. Correct?
0: Yes, we're we're always going on a
2: globe trotting adventure when it comes to the Mission Impossible movies. And outside of that, it's Ethan Hunt breaking his body down, which Tom Cruise likes to do a lot. You see, and, and it's not just he—he's an interesting kind of action star. And the let me let me contrast this. The franchise that Mission Impossible seems to be most like is the James Bond franchise for me. You know, they both have their leading man center. They both have their team. They both have gadgets. They're both spies. Uh, But whereas Daniel Craig is, I don't know, he always seems in charge of a situation, Tom Cruise's body is always being slapped around. And I think that's so fascinating for to be a staple of this we're seeing how much physical exertion not how easy it is for him to go into it
0: There, just speaking of cruz putting his body on the line there is a a famous moment from this movie where cruz is running across rooftops chasing after one of the villains and you can tell there's a moment he has to jump from one building to the next and he of course jumps Almost falls, but catches himself, is able to pick himself back up and keep running. But the particular take they use in the movie, you can see his right leg crash into the wall as he's trying to, you know, act out this hanging from the side of the building situation. And behind the scenes, he actually broke his ankle while shooting that scene. And he got up and hobbled off to the point where the crew didn't realize he had broken his ankle because he was just finishing out the take that's the cut or the the shot that's in the movie is him literally breaking his ankle which caused them to put production on hold while he recovers so like you're absolutely right he is literally putting his body on the line at some point uh, throughout these movies and and he's not a spring chicken he while making this movie was in his 50s (laughs) he's not just some 25 year old dude fresh out of college ready to risk it all for an action movie what 25 year old dude is fresh out of college most of them because you're usually graduating at 22 or (laughs) 21 (laughs) in the grand scheme of things christian a
2: graduate student (laughs) there you go thank you paul there we go now i i wanted to start by talking about the action scenes but given you know that tom cruise broke his ankle let's start talking about tom cruise as the leading figure in this franchise paul let me throw it over to you what are what what did you think do we like him do we disapprove I will say
1: I haven't seen a whole lot of Tom Cruise myself. I loved him in A Few Good Men. It's it's probably my favorite captivating performance. And seeing Top Gun Maverick recently, it again really changed, changed my perspective of him. But just seeing him in here, I can see how he just has that just sheer stardom power. I'm going to own this movie. I'm going to carry it. And also it's, I don't know, I don't know that many people who can just Oh, completely own a movie and then carry it the whole way through
2: he he's rarely using i mean he, there are definitely scenes when he like smiles at the camera and, and and you're you're or or when he's like rescuing that french policewoman and you can just tell that even though she's been shot in the leg she's completely smitten by tom cruise <laughs> and, like okay fair fair enough it, he's a. Uh, he he's a a very dashing fifty year old. Uh, I I say that with just the utmost respect in the world. But Scott, what are what are your thoughts on him leading this franchise and leading this movie specifically?
0: Yeah, it's you know Ethan Hunt is is an interesting character because he probably undergoes the most character development in the original Mission Impossible movie, and they introduce other things for for him as a character so he's not just sort of not just this action avatar and that's one of the interesting aspects of fallout is that they start to pull back previous characters or references to previous characters from earlier mission impossible movies i mean michelle monahan returned to the franchise after only appearing in mission impossible 3 where they are i can't recall if they're married or if they're engaged and we find out in this movie, they were married for a time and ultimately divorced because his job, he, he can't quit his job because he needs to save the world. <laughs> and she was being put in harm's way. And so they amicably split so that he could keep saving the world and she wouldn't be kidnapped by terrorists or whatever. It It's, it's, I, I love that Cruz picks out this character for himself, this guy who has a pathological need to save the world because it started to match his star persona. We're, we're, we're seeing how he truly believes however delusional he is that he is sort of a cinematic messiah like he he is going to save movies like behind the scenes screaming that there's that famous clip where he screamed at the crew to wear their masks on set so nobody would catch covid and they wouldn't have to shut down production he he ranted about how we're like saving the industry right now people need to work he appears getting a honorary palm door for top gun maverick A sequel, 35 years in the making to this big 80s action movie. Like, he's just such an outsized persona and exactly like Paul said, he's one of the few people who can still open a movie, who really possesses that ineffable star quality that, you know, these days is often associated with characters. As much as I love Robert Pattinson and love him as Bruce Wayne, most people were going to see the Batman even if it was a different actor in that role. But people will go see most movies, if Tom Cruise is in it, it can be him living, dying, and repeating in a sci-fi action movie, him as a secret agent, him as a Navy fighter pilot, anything. People still love to go see Tom Cruise do crazy stunts in a movie. And he's only getting more insane <laughs> as, the action, as far as the action goes as he gets older, which just builds my respect for him, as a, at least as a movie star. I know he's got a complicated personal life, but in terms of his screen performances, I, I can't resist the guy.
2: And it's it's really weird because, I mean, I watched all six of these movies this week, and I want to like go out. I I got Paramount Plus the the free trial. I'm not going crazy. I I will though. Probably I don't know. I'm I'm just insane. And I they have an entire like Tom Cruise subsection because Paramount has been involved with Tom Cruise so much over the years, that I'm thinking yeah I I. There are worse ways to spend my week than just going through and checking off these Tom Cruise movies, which very, very rarely disappoint. So, okay, with with that, let's talk action. We are in three different locations. We're in London. We're in France. We're in – and I, I, I'm only saying France because I don't know what specific part of France. And then we're sure in
0: That There's is some it, it shots Paris? with the Eiffel Tower in the background, I think, yeah.
2: Yeah, it is Paris because oh, the more... there's the Arc de Triomphe, for however you say
0: it. <laughs> as he's Arc driving around Trump. that big, yeah, thanks, Paul. As he's driving around that that big roundabout on the motorcycle, he's in Paris.
2: <laughs> Dope. So, cl- I mean, clearly the best action scenes happened in Kashmir. That being said, what were what were some staples? What were what were some of the good parts that are that are coming out here?
1: I'd say one of my favorites that I think is just most impressive was when it's the car chase scene and just hearing Tom Cruise. Actually drive and do most of those stunts himself. I forget the one scene exactly, but I think he has to turn around, do a complete 180 and drive off. He did that perfectly three times when I'm sure a stunt driver would probably train their whole life to do so. To me, that's just impressive. And just seeing how all of it goes out. I mean, there's so many different scenes, cuts, drive a guy into a river, avoid getting shot three times. I'm blown. <laughs>
2: when they pushed him, lane's car into the river i was like yes <laughs> that's what we want
0: that that trademark Ethan hunt improvisation I, something i i love about fallout is that it starts to actually like psychoanalyze his pathological inability to sacrifice members of his own team and that sequence is particularly well done not just because it's this insane action setup that they have going on but also because it actually gets into ethan hunt as a character we see that he refuses to give up the lives of these french policemen who are going to get killed by these criminals and he improvises and of course comes out on top
2: when he is in paris or no, no no this is london i think this is london and he is being guided by benji to where lane has left and he's running across this building. And he tells him to take a right. But in the right is like a is a cement wall. And then he's like, no, take a left. And he needs to jump off the building. And everyone's looking at him. And it just like the camera rests on his face. Because you can tell he's had to jump across buildings a lot. And has hurt himself a lot. And then he goes and jumps. Oh, that's wonderful to me. It's not even an action scene. It's just like a... Yeah this 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 man needs like a vacation.
0: Yeah I mean that's what's that's what's difficult in talking about, you know, favorite action sequences in this movie because there's so many it's really defined by the setting. Like this chase that I was talking about earlier as he's jumping across rooftops is taking place in London, but that's not the only action sequence in London. We also in Paris, it's not just this crazy moment as he is improvising in this break a prison breakout for Solomon lane, the villain from rogue nation. And he is d- driving away, escaping from the cops, pulling off these crazy stunt driving tricks. But we also have the, the bathroom fight in the club It is in Paris. We have the famous halo jump that Tom Cruise and a cameraman and a stunt performer actually performed repeatedly trying to get the right amount of takes for the final product. It's hard to pick out just one moment because they careen into each other. I, I got to say, I think if I had to pick a favorite moment from this movie or favorite action sequence, it's probably the bathroom fight with... Yes! Yeah, with with <laughs> yes! Cruz and Henry Cavill, who is playing a CIA agent here uh, named Walker. And they're looking for John Lark, this unknown t- criminal mastermind who's meeting with these you know other important criminal folks <laughs> and... They follow him into a restroom and, it, and an insane fight follows, which features the famous gif. There's so many famous moments from this movie, but the famous gif of Henry Cavill reloading his arms. which <laughs> is you just, I cannot laugh because it's, it's so goofy, but perfectly in line with this, this type of movie. So the bathroom sequence is, is so well done. The fight and the choreography are so intense. I, plus there's a little comedy involved too. It it just, the whole thing is handled so beautifully The the halo jump is second to me only because it's so insane.
2: (laughs) Paul, what's your favorite hand in hand combat
1: scene? I'd probably have to say say the bathroom scene just because I found it so intriguing. And I think my favorite line is when Elsa, Elsa walks in, sorry. And she says like, Oh, you must be new here to Walker because he's like, Oh, we're going to hope this guy hasn't met before. Like, it's just that, little line of dry humor
2: that I just loved. So can we, we can spoil it, right?
1: I mean, yeah,
0: we'll just, we'll say at this point, if you're still listening listeners, Hey, thank you. But also we'll, we'll probably start getting into some story spoilers to stop talking around these things. Obviously this movie has been out for a few years. We would strongly encourage you to see it if you haven't yet, just like our guy, Paul, but Christian, go ahead. Say what you got to say. Spoiler warning.
2: When Ilsa shoots John Parker in the head and they have the line Uh, uh, Or it's like can you still make a face mask And he says not without a face Loved it (laughs) Loved it The fact
0: that they try to play off the fact that they Totally killed this guy And his blood pooled all over the bathroom floor By making it seem like Walker had a nosebleed A nosebleed It's it's those little comedic moments where this movie is never it's not fully an action comedy. It's it doesn't dive hard into comedy. It's not often going for laughs, but the small moments that it does have work so well because they perfectly punctuate these action sequences. Uh what did you guys think of the it's one of the pivotal moments in the movie. This is again a spoiler warning if for whatever reason you you listen through that where they kill John Lark, but the scene where Alec Baldwin joins the team in, I believe they're in London at this point. He is the director of the IMF, the impossible Impossible missions force that Ethan Hunt is the agent for. And we discover that Henry Cavill's character, Walker, is actually the real John Lark. He is the the bad guy they're, they've been trying to track down. And this shootout commences between the IMF and Lark as he is now escaping with his, his fellow evil people trying to shoot out the team as they're under in these like catacombs or this kind of like sewer sort of situation. I don't, I don't know what it is, but what'd you make of
2: that sequence? Is it when Simon Pegg is actually under the mask?
0: Yeah. So Benji. Loved it. Yeah. Benji wears Loved a mask it. as Solomon Lane and they make it seem like they take the fake lane out, but they actually take the real one away.
2: Yeah. No, no cause cause that, and also the scene earlier in the movie where they made it sound like three holy cities had been bombed with a nuclear attack right, and right then at they the re- right and then they reveal that it was actually it was a setup in order to get someone to unlock a phone which is just like a callback to the beginning of the first mission impossible movie and brought it back to the these guys are all about deception. And they're like, this franchise is an amazing relationship with its audience alongside face masks and who is under them and who is not and how you can get those face masks on. And I, uh, I, I, I was now, okay, look, I'm not the biggest fan of Henry Cavill in this movie. Oh. I, I, I don't like the American accent. Ah. Oh darn <laughs> I mean accent. are you gonna die on that hill that his American accent's incredible
0: no I don't I don't know if it's incredible I just didn't really notice any moments where I was like oh Cavill you Brit you can't hide from me
1: Paul did you notice anything weird I thought he did a good American accent
2: I did like his mustache <laughs>
0: famously CGI'd out of the Justice League reshoots
2: for that poor haunted movie. I, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the scenes where he is fighting them. I enjoyed it when you didn't know which members of the CIA were apostles or not. So just there, there's a good amount of tension and deception and and you, you think they're going to go left, but they actually go right several moments in this movie.
0: Yeah. Paul, I am curious because you're new to the franchise. There are a lot of these moments that are either their callbacks to earlier movies or their continuations. Like for example, there's, there's always a dramatic face mask removal. It happens in every single movie in this movie. It happens twice. (laughs) It happens commonly and deception, like Christian is saying is such a a key aspect of these movies because they, they tend to walk a line between being spy films and action, just straight up, you know, action thriller films. And so, I'm curious. Do you, do you, I guess, do you feel drawn to some of these elements? Like, do they stand out to you as, oh, this like this uh, stand out to is making these movie this movie unique in comparison to other franchise movies? Or did you feel like, ah,
1: you know, I kind of wish I'd seen the other ones to pick up on some of this stuff? Well, I think the movie did stand on its own, which I'm happy about. Um, I will say, I think I foresaw Walker being the bad guy. I don't know if it's just because I've seen so much of Sherlock Holmes or because I'm a skeptic, <laughs> because I'm a magician, but I'm like, no, he's the bad guy. He has facial hair. You'd never trust people with facial hair, in the <laughs> age of television, at least.
0: It's a good thing I shaved today. Not that I grow much facial hair anyway. I have facial hair, so
2: that's... <laughs> Paul, this is, this is an important question to, right now. Who's your favorite out of Ethan Hunt's support team?
1: I think I'd side with Benji because I think I find him the most relatable when... Ethan Hunt's like, oh, yeah, Benji's going to stay behind. He's like, why am I going to stay behind? Like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> he has to do all the ones like, oh, no, I'm actually at risk here. Meanwhile, Luther's like, yeah, I'm going to do some cool things now and then, which he does back Ethan up a lot later in the film as we see, like, talking around. But I'm like, I think I'd pick Benji.
2: Benji and Luther have been decent mainstays. So Benji started off, I think, in MI three, and Luther has been there since the very beginning. Yeah, outside of Ethan Hunt, the only one.
0: Ving Rhames, unfortunately, has not had the A list staying power uh, for the duration of his career, but he has been involved in this franchise in every single movie. So this is the one, the one great thing he still got going. Although, obviously, his his heyday was probably I'm not super familiar with his career, but you know, 90s, 2000s when this franchise was starting. But thankfully. He's still around, and it's always good to see him back as Luther.
2: Uh, Scott, kind of same question to you: who do you, who do you like, and who are you happy that's still there? I mean, this is this is tough, partially because I, as much as I
0: enjoy this franchise, I'm not like a fanatical devotee, so I don't know, like like I can't remember the best Luther moments from Mission Impossible Two or the best Benji scenes from Mission Impossible Three after he's introduced. So it is it is hard to say, because even though I've seen all these movies, I, I sort of have a similar connection to everybody involved. I I, I am torn between Benji, because I, I do love a good Simon Pegg performance, and Rebecca Ferguson as Ilsa. Uh, this is her second Mission Impossible movie, and she is an excellent foil to Ethan Hunt. Ilsa is a Another spy who used to be involved with Solomon Lane's terrorist organization, but was a double agent who is now trying to get out of her debt with the Brits as well and MI6. So very complicated situation for her across the these movies. But she is a, a very fascinating foil to hunt as somebody whose morals are a little bit more gray and of course because Tom Cruise wins often in his movies and plays morally upright people or at least maverick style people who are committed to their way you know their way or the highway they are a good match for each other where she's able to question his devotion and his commitment and often it ends up in him reaffirming his commitment to his team to his people and and fighting to save their lives and he risks his life for her multiple times so I really do love her performance here it's it's, we talked about Emily Blunt's during our Edge of Tomorrow review and how it was fun to see her in a big breakout action role. And it's kind of the same way for Rebecca Ferguson. She had been in some other, obviously, some other stuff before the Mission Impossible movies. But honestly, her most most famous performance might be from The Greatest Showman. Like, for people who aren't big Mission Impossible heads. And so it's, it's fun to see her in different types of performances as well. But, I thought you were going to say Dune. Well... Now, probably Dune, that's a fair point. But when I think of, like, my teenage sister, (laughs) like, how would she know Rebecca Ferguson? It would be from Greatest Showman. So (laughs) it is fun to see her now engage the more action-oriented side of her uh, acting abilities.
2: I have to say my favorite's always been Luther. I love when Luther's there because he's both a... He definitely eggs Ethan on. He's not anyone who ever says, let's stay behind but he's also a pragmatist, and like, Ethan, you understand that all this is stupid, right? Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, Luther is, is often the, the voice of reason, or at least the
0: voice of reasonable doubt <laughs> for Ethan. And he's consistently proved wrong, but is uh, happy to be.
2: Now, do do we have any outstanding things we should discuss on this movie? Paul, is there anything that you really want to bring up? I'm just curious. Is there any point in Mission Impossible movie where you think
1: they're not gonna pull it off i mean no (laughs) (laughs)
2: well and uh no no because especially when they announce that there's another movie honestly (laughs) the curse of hollywood and hollywood franchises dead reckoning part one they probably won't pull it off and then they'll pull it off in dead reckoning part two like that's honestly how that'll happen. Like that'll be the big thing where Dead Reckoning Part One's like the one movie where he doesn't get it, but that's because they announced that there's a Dead Reckoning Part Two. Or uh, it's it's also like the first Mission Impossible movie is much more of a through. It's much more of an espionage story. So you uh, you kind of get an idea that's it's not life and death the way it is here. It it's not as high stakes as it is here. So it, I think in every situation you know they're gonna pull it off, but what are the stakes like? If if there's ever a movie where nuclear war is at stake, 99.9 times out of 10, the world will not end in nuclear war. And for the movies who do go there, tip my hat off to you. But that's, that's also like an action and spy thing. I mean, will James Bond ever not complete the mission? No. I hope so.
0: <laughs> I think they, they do play with it a little in Fallout. We talked about the scene early on where... They, they show news coverage of these bombs going off because they've, I guess, kidnapped, you can say, one of the conspirators into this attack, and they make him believe he's been in a coma and his plan was successful. And so he reveals these secrets to them, and then they're able to continue on the mission. But for a moment, you're like, whoa, are we really going to pick up after this happened? And he's going to have to, like, find the bad guys who set off these bombs? That's crazy. And then, of course not. And at the end of the movie, which we haven't really talked about, the, the final act, really, where we do get to Kashmir. And that's where we run back into Julia, who had appeared in a couple dream sequences for Ethan, but now shows up in the movie proper. Because she's a, a doctor helping out at this this nonprofit health um, site where people had been sick. But there's also this chase to find the bombs, to set them off in time. And Ethan is chasing after Walker, trying to get the, the final piece of the puzzle from him basically to stop the bombs. And of course, in terms of Tom Cruise flying things, he flies helicopters. Really flying the helicopter <laughs> through mountainous terrain. We get into this crazy fight, and just before the bombs go off, you know they're doing the countdown. Do we, do we cut the wire? Do we cut the wire? Let's do it! And then the screen cuts to white, just pure white for a second. And you're like, oh my gosh, did the bombs go off? Even though you kind of know, no, they didn't go off. And then of course it fades out of the white onto Ethan Hunt hanging there, <laughs> and everyone is all good. So they they try to try to get you a couple times, and you know Ethan Hunt. I could totally see him giving up his life one last time in the final Mission Impossible movie, but who knows? We'll see.
2: I think that that helicopter chase is what pushed this up to number two for me. I think that that, I'm like, okay, dang. It's just
0: incredible. I mean, (laughs) so many... Who crashes a helicopter into another helicopter? Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt. So few action movies are, are doing it like Mission Impossible. Paul I am curious I obviously you're a movie fan you're a regular listener of the Cinema drip podcast here but when it comes to action movies what do you tend to be looking for be- because when it comes to action movies there's all there's all types you know there's there's spy thrillers there's plot twisty action movies there's just straight up big barrel-chested dudes with machine guns shooting you know, secret Russian agents or whatever it is. There's some that trend more towards story, some that trend more towards CGI, like the MCU and the fantastical creations of superhero movies. But where do you tend to lean? And did Mission Impossible fit into that box for you? Or was it something a little bit fresher since you've not seen this franchise before? Hmm.
1: That's a good question, Scott. I'd say where I tend to lean is action that's realistic don't get me wrong i enjoy the marvel universe but i'm like yeah spider-man's not shooting a web and punching a dude in the face i mean that doesn't happen like the bathroom scene here that's pretty plausible and i'm sure tom cruise ran all across those rooms like that's pretty realistic which they actually shot that
2: guy in the face
1: (laughs) really dang that yeah that actor actor. died
0: died for the movie
1: (laughs) way to take one for the team Sorry, I don't remember your name. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd say it's that category where it's has to be a 10 realistic, which the ending of crashing the helicopter, I'm like, I think he died, but I'm like, I'll give it a grain of salt because it's Ethan Hunt and Mission Impossible. But I'm like, it was still like, okay, I'm sure someone had to do this and it was actually the only way as it was proven, yes, do it. I'll say the one thing I didn't like is that the 15 minute countdown was 22 minutes in film time. Put <laughs> it actually at 15 minutes.
0: I know, I hate stuff like that too. Like just make it a 30 minute timer. What are, you, what are we doing? <laughs> but in terms of that like freshness with action movies, did this, was this something sort of new or you're like, heck yeah? Or was it more like in line with what you tend to be looking for?
1: I'd say it's in time of what I tend to be looking for. Like I like the touch of realism to everything. Also when they brought in Wolf Blitzer, well, fake Wolf Blitzer, but I'm like, Oh, it seems like it's playing out in real life. Scott rank these movies. So
0: I have a, I have a very boring opinion when it comes to the mission impossible movies. It's widely known that Mission Impossible 2 is considered the the least loved of the franchise. It has its fans. John Woo fans especially are, are willing to champion it because he came in to direct it. It is my least favorite. I think it's the, the one misstep in the franchise, but I probably like the first Mission Impossible and Mission Impossible 3 the same, and then the the back half of the franchise is where, really where I've gotten involved with it, where I became a fan, and f- partially for that reason they just increase in quality for me where my my one two three is fallout rogue nation ghost protocol I, like i literally think this franchise gets better as it goes on so if, if you need the actual ranking from top to bottom it'd be fallout rogue nation ghost protocol three one two the uh...
2: It's okay. it's boring.
0: It's a lame opinion. No I'm, no no. I'm I don't I don't
2: that. care that it's a boring list. I care that you put one as the fifth best and Mission Impossible. I know movie.
0: I know. It's only because I like the other so much, and it's kind of on the same plane as Mission Impossible Three. Honestly, I would probably put one above three. Um, I think I the stuff that I love the most about three is the Philip Seymour Hoffman villain performance. He's unbelievable yeah, in that he's movie. Incredible <laughs> as, as Owen Davian, but the the original Mission Impossible is. While it does bear some resemblance to the other movies, there's, of course, face masks. There's an iconic action sequence with the Langley heist. It's a very different type of movie, like you were saying. It's more of an espionage thriller. Cruz is trying to figure out who betrayed him and his team, as opposed to trying to save the world. So it's the one that I am most wanting to rewatch now that I've revisited Fallout. And who knows? I in the build-up to fallout i watched the other five in order just to catch up and get excited for it so i might do it again when it comes uh dead reckoning time (laughs) and give you my updated list in a year or so whenever part one comes out
2: okay so for me number one is the first one the first mission impossible then i go fallout then mi3 because of uh, philip seymour hoffman's villain then i would go ghost protocol uh and what's left is it
0: rogue nation and two
2: i would put rogue nation under ghost protocol and then two and i get it i do like rogue nation like and i i you know two is not a bad movie it's just not it's not what you want (laughs) with that we're done with the review we did it Paul, I gotta
0: ask, it, it does sound like you come out favorably on this movie. How, how enthusiastic would you be in recommending it to uh, to a friend or another listener who hasn't seen it just like you hadn't?
1: I would definitely recommend this to a listener. Perhaps maybe see a few more movies beforehand so you're not going in blind, but I will say the movie did stand on its own, which I think just... I think it does well to Christopher McQuarrie, who directed it to make it stand on its own as well, so... <laughs>
2: Are we ready for some awards?
0: We sure are. As listeners of the show will know, we always give out our awards at the end of each blend of the month, chosen by the person who curated. So Christian will be in charge this time, just as we reflect on our Tom Cruise and Macquarie blend of the month. And then stick around because we'll talk about next week's episode. But Christian, I now pass it to you to guide us through the awards.
2: Starting off... What is our favorite non-Tom Cruise performance from these three movies? Paul.
1: I will say, I think my favorite non-Tom Cruise performance was by Emily Blunt in Edge of Tomorrow. Just, A, seeing her wield that sword and go through all of this. But even just the sheer believability that she showed in Tom Cruise's character. I'm forgetting his name. That's so Paige. bad. Kate, yes. Um, but just seeing that, I just... Was really captivated by her performance and what she did and how she co-starred in him, co-starred with him. That's probably the right phrase, whatever it is.
2: Now, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. Emily Blunt is is my favorite. Scott, do you have a differing opinion? I, I mean, I'm trying to be a little bit different
0: here a little bit controversial because there's so many lovable supporting characters in these movies but the fact of the matter is that Cruz is often the gravitational center of these movies and the one who goes toe-to-toe with him the best is emily blunt in edge of tomorrow at least from the three movies that we chose so i was thinking about maybe throwing in glenn powell from top gun maverick or Throwing out maybe rebecca ferguson because i do love her in these movie in the mission Impossible movies but I'm, I'm with you guys i think emily blunt is the the best cruise co-star that we got during this this particular blend
2: amazing so with that what's the best tom cruise performance from these three movies uh scott let's start with you this time
0: i did go last so now i'll go first i in thinking about this think there's definitely things to commend about each of these performances but I'm going to go with Top Gun Maverick. And it might be a little recency bias, but like we talked about on that show, I think that Cruise gets to actually dive into some some deeply human moments. He gets to plumb his emotional depths, which this phase of career is often focused on the craziest, most wild action stunt he can pull off. And the fact that he does that in Top Gun Maverick while also giving us some genuine emotional resonance, I had to go with Maverick as my favorite performance of his from this blend.
1: Paul, what about you? I have to agree with Scott. I think my favorite Tom Cruise performance is him in Top Gun Maverick for those reasons. It showed the action he can still pull off very well, but also it just showed the human emotion side of him relating to Rooster and to the other cadets as well. When, uh, I forget his name, the guy who leads him and says, all you do is show this mission cannot be done. And then he goes and steals a plane. And then does the course faster than anyone else has even attempted just to show the mission is possible.
2: I am think I'm going to be, I, I think I agree. No, no, I don't. Edge of Tomorrow. Cage.
0: There you go. Finally, somebody dissents. <laughs> I, I,
2: I, I have to because how he was able to lead you into thinking that it was the first time he was going through that specific time loop, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. I think he also shows an emotional roller coaster of ranges. He really develops his character very well as a, a, a pathetic loser to someone who is caring for Vertasky's um, character. So yes, I'm. i I will say he showed the the best acting chops. I think in Edge of Tomorrow. And now this this next movie, this next category, I mean, is is interesting. But what would you say is the best Macquarie Cruise production, aka best picture? For me,
0: I I love all of these movies. Edge of Tomorrow, unfortunately, is coming in third place for me. And I was really torn between Maverick and Fallout because I think they are both exceptional and. In this phase of Cruz's career where he is committed to big screen theatrical experiences, pulling off crazy stunts, and still telling great stories to audiences who you know, paid good money to see him up there on that giant Cinemark screen, I was hard pressed between the two and ultimately I am going to go with Fallout. I I just think it's the zenith of the Mission Impossible franchise thus far. It's got an unbelievable string of action sequences back to back to back where essentially no moment in that movie that's happening as an action scene fails. Maybe you can find some qualms or some lulls in the action to be a little bit uh, lesser when compared to the action. But I just think that movie, it has the, the fewest gaps, fewest holes to plug. Uh, Maverick is excellent as well. I ranted and raved about it on this show, but fallout still my number one.
2: Paul, what
1: about you? Scott, I'm going to disagree with you. I think top gun Maverick is the superior film here. I think I put it above Fallout and Edge of Tomorrow. I think I'd put Edge of Tomorrow above Fallout, honestly, mainly because I found the story so intriguing because it was such a different and unique perspective on the time loop aspect of it. But Top Gun Maverick, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, this is everything I want in a movie. And for a split second there, I thought they were going to kill off Maverick. And I'm like, there's no way. But I'm like, they made me think something else was going to happen. And then they still saved the day, which you would expect in every movie. So I loved everything that movie was able to put
2: together and the sound effects. Three for me is Maverick. Two for me is Fallout. One for me has to be Edge of Tomorrow. Because I think that the story and the action go hand in hand the best in that movie.
0: Look at us, guys. We were so in agreement and now we've all chosen a different movie for our best picture here.
2: love, love what you want, the though. diversity
0: of thought. Way to go guys.
2: With that, that ends our Christopher McQuarrie Tom Cruise Blend of the Month except for one thing. Yes. So next week we will be
0: straying from Cruz and McQuarrie as much as we love them here on the cinema drip podcast. And we will be talking about some other notable actor and director or writer duos. So Christian, you discussed what this episode would be during last week's show, but go ahead and refresh the listeners. What is coming up next week?
2: Next week, we're going to be doing something slightly different. We're going to be choosing our favorite behind the camera, in front of the camera, collaborations whether that be actor director or actor writer. And so we're going to be choosing people who have at least 3 movies of congruence between them as a duo. So uh what are what are good examples of, of uh, Nora Ephron and Meg Ryan? Did, did they get to make three movies? I think they did. When Harry Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. That's I think. right. That's right notable ones where you, you got the same person behind and the same person in front uh but the both individuals have to be alive for for next week's show because we are hoping that they make another collaboration in the future
0: there you go any dynamic duos come to mind paul
1: i'm curious does clint eastwood and clint eastwood count
0: <laughs> i believe we we're not allowed to choose an actor or a director directing themselves <laughs> That's not quite what we're looking for as duos go, but <laughs>
1: I appreciate the uh, the question. In all seriousness, I would say Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks, specifically with Saving Private Ryan, Catch Me If You Can, and The Terminal, which I think are just so three very different, very unique movies. And i I enjoy all of those movies. I will watch them at any point. So.
0: They have also continued to make movies together, more recently making both Bridge of Spies and The Post. So definitely a a long-running and eligible collaboration for next week's show. So we'll have to keep that in mind, Paul G. But folks, Christian, any, any, uh, any other mentions for next week's show? No. Then in that case, that's the end of this show. As always, if you've reached the point where I'm getting to the outro section, we do thank you for your support, listeners. It means a lot to us and to our guy, Paul, because, man, he'd just be real sad if his favorite podcast went off the air because no one was listening. So thanks for looking out for Paul. And, of course, Paul, buddy, thank you for being here. You are a good friend to this show, and we appreciate your support and now your second appearance here on the show. So any, uh, anything you've got out there to plug? We always ask this in case you have a side project of your own, or maybe you're just looking to grow your social media following. I don't know. Anything you want to throw out there?
1: Well, as on my last performance on Cinema Trip, I am a magician. So if you'd want to hire me, feel free to reach out. I'll do a virtual show. I'll fly to wherever. You might have to reimburse me a little bit, Scott. I w- I'm going to get out there at some point. I promise. Uh, social media... Don't follow me on social media because social media is making America stupid.
0: People seek out Paul's Twitter account. You must grow his uh, his Twitter. No. Just kidding. Book him to be a magician at your birthday parties, your anniversary celebrations, your bar or bat mitzvahs or other religious celebrations. Uh, bring, bring our guy in. He's he's local to Ohio, but you know he can he can be booked anywhere apparently if he reimburses travel. Oh, but man, Paul, good to have you back. And of course, other listeners, not just our guy, Paul, there are a few things that you can do to support the show moving forward. Number one, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. Helps our tender egos to see those five-star reviews coming in and also helps us reach new listeners as we grow our footing on each platform. You can also send us an email to cinema drip podcast at gmail.com, where we are regularly accepting your feedback for things you would want us to discuss on the show. So, whether it's a movie that we missed during a particular blend of the month, an idea you have for a blend of the month, like Paul Gonzalez here who suggested Magic May and then watched it come to life in May of 2021. We'd be happy to field your suggestions and hopefully see those come to fruition because we want to be making episodes that you want to listen to. So any suggestions for us, send it to podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the show and myself on Twitter and Christian on Instagram. And Christian and myself are both on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we're watching christian's been putting up some uh some short reviews and ratings for the mission impossible movies so if you want to complain about his his ranking for the franchise you can go tell it to him on letterboxd paul are you on letterboxd have i gotten to you yet
1: i'm sorry scott you have not gotten to me on letterboxd or coffee
0: i'll keep working on you yeah paul doesn't drink coffee he's one of those people so we don't need to get into that this podcast might go a whole nother hour but uh paul again thank you for being here Folks out there, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to subscribe to the Cinema Drip Podcast and enjoy listening to us talk about movies because we sure do love to do it. And until next time, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.